Hey, what's up, plant people? Today's Tuesday, February 16th, 2021, and this is the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives, careers, ambitions, and overall general awesomeness of some really cool plant people. I'm Vikram Baliga, your host, and as I say every single darn time, I'm thrilled to be with you today. Y'all, I'm so excited about today's guest. We first were sort of introduced through a mutual friend, um, a while back, like like a year ago, and I think separately, this friend kind of told us both, "Hey, uh, y'all need to get together. You need to talk for a podcast. You just need to to meet each other." And and it's like, well, then the world imploded, and there was an apocalypse and a pandemic and all kinds of other stuff. But um, finally, I got to connect with Tyler Froberg, uh, who is at Farmer Froberg pretty much everywhere. And um, Tyler's a farmer right now with the Recipe for Success Foundation as part of Hope Farms down in Houston, USA. He's a Texas Tech grad, um, but he has served in the U.S. Army. He's an Army veteran. He uh, was a high school teacher, uh, an ag teacher. He w- worked with the city of Pearland as um, several things. He's done a little bit of everything in agriculture and horticulture, and he's a fantastic farmer and just genuinely a wonderful human being. Tyler and I talked about everything from um, just just his life story to how uh, farming can help veterans to and, and kids to um, just what it's like to run a uh, nonprofit farm that um, also sells to the public and does all kinds of other stuff. It's it's an inspiring story, and I think you're really going to enjoy Tyler and enjoy this episode. I know I enjoyed talking with him and, and listening back over this, editing the episode. I just I was reminded how incredible his story is. Uh, before we get started, not not a whole lot to go over today. Um, just if you're if you're not following Planthropology, all the places, social media, everywhere else, um, you should be. Um, thanks so much to the patrons of the show. Uh, thanks so much to the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science for supporting this and for having such great programming and distance education that we'll talk about in this episode. But uh, without any more delay, uh, it's episode forty, y'all. Uh, of the Planthropology Podcast. So strap in, grab a shovel, and uh, let's listen to this great episode with Tyler Froberg. All right, well, we are back this week with another episode of the Planthropology Podcast. And I'm here with uh, Tyler Froberg. Did I pronounce it right, Froberg? Froberg, that's right. Exactly how it's spelled. <laughs> okay, good. Just, yeah, you know, I was, yeah. <laughs> I, I've done that a couple times where I'm like, I am 100% positive how this was, this is pronounced and that I'm totally 100% wrong. So <laughs> you know, it's spot on. All right, cool. Well, Tyler, I appreciate you uh, being on with me. We have uh, kind of have a, a mutual acquaintance um, from the Advocates podcast. Uh, used to be the My Day in Texas Ag podcast, and uh, I think he tried to get us connected a while back, like like a year ago. And uh, I'm glad this finally worked out where we could chat a little bit. Yeah, man, I'm I'm excited, uh, very excited. Been following your page for a while. Formally oh. and informally. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. That's cool, man. Um, so, uh, 
you know, I kind of researching you a little bit, which I always feel weird saying that, like, hey, I stalked you on the internet before we recorded. But uh, um, going through some of your bio, you have done like a lot. You've done a lot of things. You know, it doesn't feel like that. Um, you know, just up forward, I turned 29 yesterday. And so it doesn't feel birthday. like I've done a lot of things until I look at my resume and I'm like, I didn't feel like I jumped around, but it kind of looks like I jumped around. So call it experience, call it, call it whatever you want, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of I, I, I kind of get that. And I think that, you know, there is 100% nothing wrong with having uh, a variety of experiences uh, in life and in career. And, and happy birthday yesterday. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Thanks. And as I go through my my journey, the different jumps will make will make sense. It'll make sense. Okay. Okay. Well, let's let's just get right into it then. So, um, tell us tell us how you got into plants and and how you got to where you are at Hope Farms today. You know, first off, it's been an incredible journey, and I always like to say this: that I got lucky enough at a young age to marry Wonder Woman, and uh, couldn't have couldn't have done that without my my beautiful, awesome wife. She's not listening or or here. I'm for real about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so born and raised in Alvin, Texas, which is. Uh, uh, a community in Brazoria County. So we're south of Houston, kind of on the Gulf Coast. We're one of those very strange areas in the United States where we're lucky to to be able to grow 52 weeks out of the year. Never stop. Wow. Uh, and so my great-grandfather purchased a small plot of land in 1938. Farm is still there today, raising di- diversified fruits and vegetables. Uh, so I'm a fourth-generation Texas Gulf Coast fruit and vegetable farmer. <laughs> Um, so the farm that I'm at hope farms, just not too far away from my family's farm. Um, and so, you know, all throughout high school and, and even before that really active in 4-H and FFA. And so, you know, as well as, you know, obviously living on a family farm, um, we, you know, I, I always wanted to be a farmer. I didn't know how I was going to do it other than, you know, working at the family farm, but I knew I wanted to do it. And so um, I also knew that I wanted to go to college, though. No one in my family, I was the first one to get any type of college in my family. And so no one had any type of formal education. And I knew that I wanted that. Um, and, you know, if you grow vegetables, you know, you don't do it to get rich. And so I kind of had to figure out how I was going to pay for school. And it seemed, you know, I, I come from a long line of, of military service. Uh, my older brother's in, a bunch of cousins in. My grandfather served in Korea. And so it seemed fitting if I joined the army, you know, get some real good life experiences or so I thought and uh, and, you know, pay for my school, which was my ultimate goal. And so a couple of days after graduation, left for basic training and spent the next four years just kind of traveling the globe and um, learning a lot about myself. Had the opportunity to, to be stationed in Washington State, which is a very rich agricultural state, yeah, very sure. diversified agriculture state. We had a, an army training center that you'd have to drive through the apple orchards, you know, uh, which is awesome to see. Uh, while I was there, I had the opportunity as well to work part-time at a sheep farm. So I was a full-time soldier. And then on Saturdays and Sundays, I'd spend my time at this little sheep farm. Got some diversified experiences there as well. 
the reason I, I own Border Collies. Uh, and so uh, ultimately, you know, I finished out my contract, came back home to Brazoria County and worked at the family's farm. Uh, but I still, you know, I had my GI Bill. I had that desire to go to school. I wanted to complete my formal education. And so um, I couldn't quite do that working 120 hours a week at the family farm. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was 3 a.m. to 7 p.m., seven days a week. You know, let, you know, I didn't have a life, barely had time for, you know, my wife and kids. And so uh, uh, we made the decision that I was going to stop at the family farm. And I was going to start school and uh, I was just going to get a job at our local municipality. And so um, I literally got a job mowing uh, retention ponds for the city of Pearland. And wow. I, let me tell you, I loved that. I absolutely <laughs> loved that. Uh, you know, I could, I could focus on school, focus on my family. Um, and I just drove a tractor all day, uh, you know, and, and so about six months into that, working for the city of Pearland, um, I was approached by the parks director and he said, hey, I heard you know a little bit about plants. And I said, look, this is my life experience. I have no formal training. I have no formal certifications. I have nothing. And he said, look, this is called the International Society of Arboriculture. If you can go past, past this arborist exam, we're going to promote you to become the urban forester for the city of Pearland. <laughs> so what in the world is that? Wow. That sounds like you just made up. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I did a lot of research, uh, signed up for this exam. I had no idea what I was getting into. Right. And I grew up in the orchard. My dad had, you know, I was grafting citrus by the time I was a freshman in high school. So very familiar with plant physiology in that sense, you know, but definitely nothing like this certification. I had no idea sure. that I was walking into a 300 question exam that was going to be proctored and it was going to test everything from plant physiology and nutrient management, soil management, pruning, climbing, all sorts of stuff. And lo and behold, I passed. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I found myself, you know, fresh out of the army, just started school. Uh, and as the urban forester for the city of Pearland and over wow. that next, Three years, my journey with the city of Pearland was not just rewarding, but it was a roller coaster. It was incredible, right? So uh, I had the opportunity to form what we call the Natural Resource Division in the Parks and Recreation Department, and so we did um, we did things like prairie restorations, uh, uh, floating artificial wetland installations. We built a nature center. We did all this stuff, and I did all that as the Natural Resource Manager. And then a short time after that, they promoted me to park superintendent where I ran the entire parks division. And so, uh, you know, over, almost 1200 acres of park land. Uh, we did everything from, um, you know, managing the sports fields all the way to doing these prairie restoration type projects, you know, massive tree installations, urban forest management, all that stuff. But flashback to three years prior to that, this was just supposed to be the job that I was doing when I was in college. Just, I was just <laughs> wanted to mow grass, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, it's fu it's funny how that works. It is so funny how that works. Right. I learned more about, you know, the, about general growing 
and, and I'm not talking food here, just general horticulture in that three years than I had had done most of my life. You know, most of my life was growing food. And this really expanded my experience in arboriculture, turf grass management. Um, you know, we were implementing organic, organic turf grass, turf grass, sorry, organic turf grass management uh, systems on the sports fields. We were doing all sorts of stuff, really cool stuff. But as I approached graduation, uh, and again, I did the, the the online horticulture program through Texas Tech, which I would encourage anyone right now struggling on how they're going to get their ag degree. Please look into that incredible program, hands down. And so uh, as I approached graduation, I just I knew that, you know, turf grass management, arboriculture, it just wasn't my passion. I was a food grower and I knew that, you know, I even you even saw that in the city of Pearlands. I did a pecan orchard restoration in one of the old parks. I did. We installed a food victory garden at the senior center. Like you could see my passion, like being plugged into the city of Pearland Parks Department. Um, and so as I drew closer to graduation, um, I was contacted by Alvin ISD, which uh, is actually it's where I went to school. And my wife is a principal there as well. And uh, they were looking for someone to come over and run their agriculture farms. And uh, with the possibility of stepping into an agriculture educator role. Hmm. And so, and again, I was very active in FFA growing up. And so I thought, you know what, this is it. This is going to be, this is, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to be it for me. You know what I mean? And so um, I left the city of Pearland reluctantly. You know, I, I wasn't, I, I thought that's, it was the right decision and it was in the long run, but that's hard. You know what I mean? You got a wife. Oh yeah, kids. for sure. That's and so uh, I went over to Alvin ISD, um, ran the ag facilities. Um, another guy was uh, my partner there. We, we did 80 acres of hay, uh, some minor fruit and vegetable production, some orchard production, uh, beef cattle, goats, um, you know, ran the show facilities. And then the time came where a vacancy was open and they said, hey, do you want to be a teacher? And so... Um, they did what's called a local certification. And so certain school districts can receive a certification to be a school district on the rise. And if they do that, they can find people who have at least eight years of industry experience. And they can, as long as they have a bachelor's, they can certify them to teach in that school district that subject. And so lo and behold, they didn't often do it with ag teachers. Usually this was mechanics, uh, welders, you know, plumbers, things like that, tradesmen. And But I fit. I fit the criteria. And so we got my local certification and I taught out, I was an ag teacher. <laughs> Lo and behold, it was just like, bam, I was an ag teacher. Just like that. <laughs> and so as an ag teacher, I taught, uh, I taught five blocks a day. I taught, uh, uh, two blocks of livestock production, uh, a block of plant science and, uh, two blocks of, uh, principles of agriculture, which is a diverse, you know, really diverse, uh, class. And I loved it. I'm talking, I, Loved it. Uh, my first yeah. year of teaching, I had the opportunity to take a, a young uh, a freshman student all the way to state and public speaking. And her speech that we built for her was about peach tree grafting. <laughs> so, I mean, I just I loved it. It was like I realized if I went in there with this type of passion, then it would be reflected on those kiddos, you know? Yeah. And 
you know, next thing I knew, we were building garden beds outside of my classroom and we were uh, we restored a 1955 Farmall Cub and showed it at the fair. And I ran the lamb and goat program. So we were running all over the state uh, showing lambs and goats and horticulture projects and you name it. Um, and then February of 2019, I got an email from what I like to say, this crazy redheaded woman. <laughs> and she said, hello, my, my name is Gracie Cavanaugh, and I am the president and CEO of the Recipe for Success Foundation. We have a seven-acre farm called Hope Farms, where we produce fruit and vegetables for the food desert community that we're in, and we train veterans to be farmers. And we're currently looking for a farmer, an ag teacher, and a veteran to come to the farm and really take the farm to the next level. And my response to that was... Huh. <laughs> Yeah, my response to that actually was, I'm okay. I love being an ag teacher. Wow. And then my wife had a baby <laughs> about a week later. <laughs> and about two weeks after that, I was on my way to San Antonio for livestock judging. And, uh, you know, my wife and I just had a real serious talk about the the demand that being an ag teacher has. You know, I think it's one of the most uh, well-respected and demanding agricultural jobs besides being an actual, an actual producer in the industry, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Forming young minds. And, and a lot of these teachers out there, they love it so much. They're willing to put the programs above their own families, you mm -hmm. know, and, and that's where I found myself. And so, you know, we, we navigated that very strange area until the end of the school year. And lo and behold, I got another email from this crazy redheaded woman and she said, hello, Mr. Frobert. This is Gracie Kavanaugh again. I know that you weren't interested in February, but it's summer vacation. And we'd really like you to just come out and see the farm. And I said, okay, I'll do that. And so I came out to see the farm and immediately was like, okay, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. This, wow. this is where I'm supposed to be. And so, uh, you know, again, reluctantly put in. <laughs> my notice because these, these, these organizations I was part of, I, I, I bled them. You know, I was, I was deep rooted in these organizations. I gave them everything I had. And so to leave them was, uh, was tough. It was tough, yeah. you know? And so yeah, yeah. But I, I came over here just kind of like, okay, let's do it. And so, you know, what I was recruited to do was first and foremost, formalize a veteran training program. And so Hope Farms and Recipe for Success mm -hmm. receive uh, the Ag Vet grant from the United States Department of Agriculture. What, what this did was uh, gave us a very large lump sum for five years to formalize a veteran training program. So that's what I did. I came in and started from scratch, wrote the curriculum, developed the formalized training program. At the time, they did have a farm manager here on the farm. So I didn't have to worry about that aspect of it. Um, you know, I would just work in tandem with, yeah. with the manager that they had hired that February when I had kind of said, I'm okay. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so we started, right? Uh, what I developed was a 90 day introductory program that would be followed by two years of continuing education. Um, and we would hyper-focus on diversified or seasonal diversified fruit and vegetable production with, with the intention of creating small farms that, um, that pushed a direct to consumer model. 
right? And this could be yeah, done yeah, in yeah. Uh, direct to restaurant sales, uh, CSAs, and um, and of course market sales, whether it be on farm or traveling. Um, and so that's what we did. And then uh, uh, unfortunately, a couple months later, the the farm manager they had decided he was going to move on, and so I just kind of took on everything. So now I currently serve as the farm manager and direct or something like that of Hope Farm. <laughs> wow. Man. Uh, and that's my story. <laughs> and and so here, here yeah. we are today. Um, I'm currently in class four of our of our veteran trainees. Um, we, we've had some great successes, right? We've also convinced a few people that they didn't want to be farmers. Uh, sure. No, which sure. was an interesting <laughs> you know. And so here on the farm, we, you know, again, we're a diversified fruit and vegetable farm. We grow, um, be, so I keep, there's, there's four ways that, that, uh, our community can purchase our food. So the first way is through our CSA, right? Our community supported, mm-hmm. uh, agriculture farm share. This goes out, uh, every Tuesday. So, Oh, sorry. That was my, no, you're fine. <laughs> uh, and so this goes out every Tuesday. And so, uh, every Tuesday morning, we come to the farm. We, we harvest our beautiful produce, um, and then we have a, an in-house delivery person who ships our produce out across the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Thursdays, we, we harvest for a store called Bearings, which is a, it's a hyper-local um, kind of a community gathering place or home goods store, right? You could, get your, you could get your wedding dress there. You could get the place catered all while getting a new pocket knife. You know what I mean? Wow. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Very diversified kind of community place. Um, And we go and set up there every Thursdays. Huge success. Then we we travel to a place called Tootsie's on Friday, which is smack dab in the middle of the city. Right. And so we're kind Mm -hmm. of bringing the produce to you, if you will. And then Saturdays we sell here on farm from nine to one. Wow. And so that's that's where anyone local can uh can purchase our produce now i get the question a lot can you ship to me right hey i'm in new york can you ship to me no right. that's not the point <laughs> right what we're trying to do is is drive this this a you know supporting local farmers and eating locally but also eating seasonally right training our consumer to eat seasonally all while supporting a local farmer. yeah that's that's super cool, man. I've been taking notes of you've been talking, and I have like so I'm many. Sorry, follow-ups. I'm sorry. I was kind of long winded there. <laughs> no, dude. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. I've got, but I've got follow up questions because yeah, that's sure. man. That that is that is quite the journey. Quite the journey. <laughs> well, hey, let's take a quick break, and then we'll hear more from Tyler and more about his story in just a minute. Well, hello there. Welcome to the mid roll. A couple of things today. First, in just a minute, you're going to hear a trailer for the Podflix and Chill podcast, who is a brand new member of the Podfix network, which uh, I had to record that several times because I kept mixing up Podflix and Podfix, and my sleepy brain is very confused right now. But um, it's a great new show, uh, or it's a great show. There's a new addition to our podcast network, uh, and I think you'll really enjoy the trailer, and I think you'll really enjoy the show. Uh, the second thing, um, if you haven't been keeping up with the news, or, or you know, it's hard to know when you're listening to this, but um, right now, Texas is in the middle of a huge winter storm, and we've had everything from rolling blackouts across the state as the energy providers try to maintain the power grid, and um, 
right last night in Lubbock, I think it was like negative five degrees. Um, it's in single digits as far he- south as Houston, where Tyler is. In fact, they're getting snow in Houston right now, and they've gotten snow over the past day. Um, so if you've got a, a minute to spare some some good vibes or some prayers for Tyler and Hope Farms and all the agriculturists and horticulturists across the state, um, it's going to be a rough year, y'all. Uh, from the hill country where trees were already budding out and blooming before this cold hit to um, places across the state that it never freezes this hard. So plants are not adapted. We're going to take some major um, horticultural losses, major plant losses across the state. Um, and, and I don't just mean in production. We're going to lose a lot of trees, a lot of perennial plants, and it's going to be... Um, this is the coldest weather I think we've had in 30 years or more in the state. And so, um, like I said, if you can spare some thoughts, prayers, good vibes, happy feelings, whatever it is that you can spare for us here in Texas and across the southern U.S., we could really use it right now. Um, because, again, it is going to be, well, we don't know. We don't know what it's going to look like. But all signs point to us really having quite a rebuilding year um, with our food supply and, and everything else. So uh, just wanted to make you aware of that. Again, I don't know when you're listening to this. If it's in the future, we, we may have had more information about that. We probably would have um, that you can that you can go back and listen to. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be quite a 2021 in terms of agriculture. But um, again, thank you to the patrons of this show. Um, your support is is so appreciated and if you want to uh, support the show head over to patreon.com slash planthropology for as little as like a buck a month you can support the show um get some cool stuff and just get a say in in what we do uh, i'm actually thinking about possibly switching over to a different service aside from patreon we'll see about that i don't i don't really know but um we're gonna we'll talk about that more soon thanks again to the texas tech department of plant and soil science for all the support and for being Uh, so open to me doing this show thanks to you the listener just for for putting up with all my rambling and all the the stuff that we do on here it has been an incredible year and a half and i'm looking forward to the next however many years this show goes uh follow us on all the social medias um, instagram twitter facebook Uh, i am at the plant prof on tiktok for whatever reason I have fun doing it. Whatever. Uh, join the Planthropology's Cool Plant People Facebook group and get yourself ready for the Podflix and Chill trailer coming up in five, four, three, two, one. Do you subscribe to at least one streaming service? Do you spend what seems like hours scrolling trying to find something new to watch? Do you just wind up watching the same show for the hundredth time? If so, you're not alone. I'm Andrew, the host of Podflix and Chill. On this podcast, I take a look at some original films and series from the most popular streaming services. I'll break down some of my favorites, uncover hidden gems, and even sit down with some guests. Podflix and Chill is a great way to discover your next favorite show or choose the next family movie night. Want more Podflix and Chill? Follow us on social at Podflix, the letter N, and Chill. Or check us out at www.podflixandchill.com. Podflix and Chill, now a part of the Podfix Network. Subscribe wherever you listen. You know, as as you talk, I was just thinking about like my own experiences and all of that. And um, 
you know, I'm, I'm a, uh, I manage our teaching greenhouse here at Texas Tech, and I'm an instructor in our plant and soil science department. So, by the way, thanks for the plug for uh, Texas Tech PSS because uh, they pay for this podcast. So they'll, they'll be happy that they got a, oh. got a free plug in. And um, I mean, not to interrupt you, but I mean what I say in that the program changed the pathway of my life slash career. I mean, it created a, an op. I wouldn't have been able to get a degree in ag if that program wouldn't have been available, period. Yeah. That's just the truth, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and we, we take a lot of pride in our distance education program here because it, it is fairly rare and fairly unique. Um, and so it, we, we, uh, you know, love to be able to provide that opportunity, um, uh, just to students, especially, you know, non-traditional students everywhere, you know, uh, from veterans to, to stay at home moms or whatever. We've had a lot of people be able to, uh, get a degree through our distance ed program. And, you know, we're full, we're one of a, a few ag programs where you can get like ev- all the way from your, um, you know, your bachelor's through your PhD online. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, so yeah, no. So my, my department chair will be happy about the, the plug. <laughs> um, um, so, but then I was thinking about like, you know, it's funny cause I think our, our, um, our experience, our life experiences in general have been different, but like, I've done a lot of the same things you did just at different scales. Like, yeah. uh, not, not the military thing. That's, that's, yeah. that's pretty Im- impressive to me. And, and, <laughs> you know, uh, my, my stepdad is a uh, retired army. And so like, uh, I, I'm always pretty conscious and pretty grateful for folks that, uh, work with veterans and and um, and for veterans themselves, and I think that the kind of program that y'all do is really important and really needed uh, for sure. sure. Um, and it, it's funny that you say that you you convinced a few folks that they didn't want to be farmers um, because as a uh, and I don't know if this is something I can't remember if this is something I've talked about on the show or not. As a uh, I, I want to say retirement thing, even though farming is not the same as retirement. Uh, my parents bought a little peach orchard, uh, here outside of Lubbock and, uh, about five acres of peaches. And so for the past several years, uh, my stepdad has kind of been, um, (laughs) uh, farming, you know, uh, almost unwittingly, like, uh, he's almost been like forced into farming. (laughs) That is so cool though. But, but it has been pretty cool. It's been pretty cool. And, um, but, you know, I've, I spent um, a few years in uh, or a couple years as a landscaper after I finished my master's. I was like, uh, th- at the time, there were no jobs available. So I was like, oh, just, I, I have a degree in landscape design. I'll do that for a while. And so, you know, when you say that you enjoyed getting to like spend the day. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me now my phone's ringing. Now I'll make it noise on my end. Um, <laughs> when when you when you say that. um you know, you enjoyed your time just being able to like hang out on a tractor and mow. I totally get that. Like, it's kind of nice just being able to like go and turn your brain off for a while and drive around and mow the lawn. Like, I totally get that. For sure. Easy. Mindless, yeah. you know, mindless. And it's kind of, it's kind of great some days. Um, oh, I have a, a farmhand right now that has really taken on a lot of the tractor work so I can hyper-focus on, uh, you know, the educational programs and stuff. But sometimes I'm like, man, I just need some tractor time. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I totally hear that. I totally hear that. Um, So 
I feel like you have accomplished at 29 uh, what some people do like in an entire career. So that's oh, pretty amazing. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank uh, you. That's very kind. Uh, you know, sometimes it just feels like I was in the right place at the right time for certain opportunities, you know? Sure. Well, I think that's an important message. You know, I mentioned before we started recording that this is – this podcast is for everyone, but a lot of times I feel like I, I want to talk directly to our students. Um, and I think that's such an important message is that sometimes the people that, uh, you know, end up happiest or end up, quote unquote, where they're supposed to be in their career were folks that were willing to take various opportunities along the way. Like, I think, we're, you know, it's like, you know, you, from from the military to the uh, the ag teacher role to to mowing a lawn. You you had the, uh, uh, you know maybe courage or just just the uh, willingness to do that next step. And now it sounds like you're in something that is like perfectly suited to you. That's how I like to feel about it. You know, I mean, like with it, like with any type of production farming, there's the stresses and yield demands and frosts and whatnot, but you know, wouldn't trade it for the world. That's for sure. That's awesome. So, so let's talk, um, let's talk a little bit more about uh, some of the programs that you run now or that you work with uh, between, you know, Hope Farms and Recipe for Success and all of that. Um, So uh, how does your, how does your farm operate? You know, you've talked a little bit about it, but what are, you know, you talked about the veteran training program, but I saw on the website that you work with kids and you work with all kinds yeah. of folks. So take us through a little bit about how Hope Farms Absolutely. is structured and how the program so, works. I'm going to, I'm going to take us back 15 years, right? Where okay. this incredible, crazy redheaded woman had a dream. And that woman's name is Gracie Cavanaugh. Okay. And uh, 15 years ago, she formed the Recipe for Success Foundation. And what this was, what she formed that to do was she recognized that we had a childhood obesity problem, specifically Mm -hmm. in our public schools. Uh, And so she set out basically her life's work to try to solve this problem. And so she started that by, by introducing culinary and agriculture education in any public school she could get into within the greater Houston area. So they'd go in. They'd build some beautiful gardens, right? They'd, they'd convince the principal to give them a room to build a kitchen in. And they would literally take it seed to plate, you know? And that's what the, that's what the public school program is called, seed to plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, she, she developed this slogan of teach, empower, and inspire healthy eating, right? And I always like to add in through culinary and agriculture education. Mm-hmm. Um, and so flash forward 12 years, um, it was like, okay, we're doing pretty good, but there's still greater problems that play into childhood obesity that that stretch far beyond the school where the kids had eight hours a day, right? This is, this is something that, that starts at home, right, within a community. And so they had this vision of mm-hmm. let's put a farm inside one of these communities, right? Because if we can convince the parents to get on board, then we're really on to something. And so they had, uh, through several very large sponsors, were able to purchase Carnegie Elementary School from Houston ISD, which is where I'm sitting right now. Um, They they demolished the buildings, um, 
tried to rip up as much concrete yet. I still hit them with the tractor. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Uh, and and off they began growing, you know, pretty small amounts of food there in the beginning. And gradually grew, and gradually grew, and gradually grew to where we are today, you know. And so here on the farm, on any day of the week, especially, you know, pre-COVID and post-COVID, uh, you could find field trips. You could find Girl Scout classes. You could find AgriLife using us as a host site. Um, mm-hmm. You could find Prairie View A&M Extension using us as a host site. You can find um, me, right, just farming, <laughs> as well as teaching our veterans to be farmers. And our, our, our Growing Urban Farmers program isn't just open to veterans. We have our first regular student uh, this round. Now, there is a fee associated with that because it's not sponsored by the USDA. Right. Okay. But we have the first paid regular non-veteran student going through this this round, uh, and so and again, all of that, all of that, while while continuing to supply our four avenues of purchasing food from us. Wow, that's a, I mean that's a lot. That's a lot to keep up with. Lots of moving parts there. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, um, we had a guest or on the show a few weeks ago, a, a friend of mine. Um, and we have a, pro- a program here in Lubbock called uh, FOG, which is Food Orchard and Grub. And it's a, it's a part of our food bank. And so our food bank actually has a farm. It's not huge. It's five or six acres. Uh, but they employ, um, yeah, you know, this isn't my favorite term, but, but kind of traditionally thought of at-risk youth during the summer. They'll uh, hire and pay 20 kids during the summer and teach them kind of what y'all do, uh, you know, farming and just entrepreneurship and all of that. And so it's super cool getting to hear you talk about, and then they have the CSA, they do similar things like that. So it's cool getting to hear you talk about such a cool grassroots, similar program for a whole different demographic, right? It's like, I think I see through this from teaching kids to teaching veterans, just the power of, of agriculture to, uh, change people's lives. Oh, hands down, man. I mean, honestly, I can't like words can't even describe it. You know what I mean? Words cannot even describe it. Yeah. Well, and and I and I imagine for um and I don't know if this is something that y'all really uh, delve into much, but like I would think just knowing uh, how gardening affects me personally and my own like mental health and all of that. I would think for, for veterans, it's, it's something that's, you know, great skill building and career building, but I would think it's therapeutic as well. It, it is. You brought, you just brought up a good point though, that uh, I try not to get misconstrued for, for anybody that I'm trying to recruit into the program. You talked about how gardening can be very therapeutic and it can But what I always like to preface that with is uh, at the end of the day, don't forget that we are a working farm and we have yield demands Mm -hmm. and we have, you know, we, we can't lose a crop to a pest. We can't, you know, we have, we have markets we have to supply. And and so there are certainly therapeutic aspects to this Mm -hmm. career. Um, And the USDA has seen that, right? That's one of the reasons they, they gave out almost 32 of these grants nationwide. But what we can't lose the fact of is that, um, you know, part part of these programs is to also challenge that uncomfortable feeling, right? Sure, yeah. The aspect and 
take it from maybe this isn't going to be therapeutic today. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's hot and we have to make this demand by 8 a.m. this morning. And, and we, that's just what we have to do. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh, oh, I hear that for sure. You know, uh, we, uh, here, here at the greenhouse and gardens I run, we don't, we don't necessarily, uh, produce a lot for the sake of production. We're mostly teaching and research here, but I definitely get that. Like I tell my staff sometimes, or my, my staff, I think has learned that, uh, you know, playing with plants and gardening and all that can be fun, but there's days when it's a thousand degrees outside and you still have to like go and pull weeds or you still have to like go and prune trees or whatever it is you're doing. Well, and you know, the, and, and not to dive too deep into a whole nother subject, but the, the mental health aspects of being in production ag is, is no secret, you know? And when you add that we grow 52 weeks out of the year here, which means we don't stop. That's even, there's even more research to support that that's a problem, you know, in terms of mental health. And so we, we try to be that controlled environment to see if someone if this is for someone, as I said, we've convinced a few people that they didn't want to be farmers. And and some of it is for that reason, you know? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, no, for, it, it, is, it is not for the, uh, I, I think, you know, it's interesting because there are, you know, you look at, I'm trying to figure out how exactly I want to say what's in my brain. Uh, it's been a long <laughs> week. Um <laughs> Uh, no, so I think if you look at like the way that agriculture and horticulture and farming is um, represented on a large scale, there is weirdly a, a segment of our population that kind of vilifies it, and I there that's a whole other thing. But on the other hand, there's a big group of people that like totally romanticize farming, right? And I think that there are good reasons for that. But then you you start to like really talk to people that have done it, and you're like. Uh, yeah, I love it, but my God, it's a beating some days. Well, and so I actually talk about this a lot. So on my TikTok, right, I go live every single morning and we get into lots of conversations and you hear me talk about these quote unquote documentaries, right? <laughs> and don't get me wrong. There are some really good ones out there, but there are some that are just like, like that is not, you know, they only showed you the good parts. And so, mm -hmm. and we're seeing a movement of that. We're seeing a movement of people who have romanticized what small scale agriculture is, and they're really trying to get into it, right? Um, and and there are some successful ones. Don't get me wrong, but there are. You're right. A lot of these documentaries have have shown you the rainbows and unicorns, right? Mm -hmm. But they didn't show you everything behind the scenes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is a lot of work. You know, we ha we have people come out to the orchard sometimes and, uh, you know, we try to keep it as clean and presentable and all of that. And people want to come take pictures and all of that's great. But some days I'm like, all right, this is a working farm. Everyone here is sweaty and grumpy. It's 11 a.m. and it's already 112 degrees. And like, like you, you, there, there's so much wrapped up in it. Um, but that being said, I think it is such a... Uh, it, it, it's it's a calling and it's something that people have to be, you know, willing to do. And like I think that uh, I'm, it, it makes me uh, hopeful uh, to see that there are still people of all ages that are interested in getting into it, that are still 
passionate about growing plants and growing food and making sure that we're feeding the people that need to be fed. Uh, but, but building a business at the same time, I think all of that's important. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. You know, there's a interesting thing around here where, uh, you know, when you meet a fellow fruit and vegetable farmer around here, it's just like an immediate respect because we all know how hard it is, you know, to work 52 weeks out of the year to have summers that are, you know, 105 degrees with 99% humidity to have winter like we had last weekend where it can be mild, but it never stops raining and we get the occasional <laughs> little frost, you know. And there's just something about that very, like mid-August, when you go to the feed store and you see one of your comrades and they're just covered in dirt from head to toe. And you can tell <laughs> the only thing that they had to eat that day was some okra while they were harvesting. And you ju- it's just like immediate respect. <laughs> immediate yeah. respect, you know? Oh, for sure. And, and it's one of those things that like, you know, we, we try, I think, you know, through – uh, ag communication like you do through your TikTok and your other social media outlets and like, you know, through this podcast and other stuff that we do, we try to explain that. But like part of me thinks that how much better everyone would be if they had to like at some point in their life spend like a month like helping out on a farm. Right. <laughs> just exactly. like just I gaining that like- life I would just like to point out that this man just called all my goofy social media ad communications. So I would just like oh. to point that out. To oh, no, 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 no. See you. What? That's funny. Um, you, you should see the ridiculous videos I put on like Twitter and different places. I do like these plant fact videos and half of me are like putting googly eyes on crap and like talking to plants and like, I think this is to to take this in another direction for just a second. I think what we're doing here and what you do on TikTok is so important. It and and maybe you don't even realize how important it is because there is this big gap between science and agriculture and and all these things, and then the people that need to learn about it, and the people that consume it, and the people that rely on it, whether they they realize it or not. So the power of a silly TikTok video to just open the door into agriculture or a a stupid, you know, Twitter video or whatever, it's, uh, it, it, for me, I think it's so important to be in all these places where people are. And, you know, I didn't realize that until I stopped teaching. So up until I stopped teaching, I didn't have any social media. I had a LinkedIn, right? That was it. I barely got it. <laughs> I, I didn't have any. And before I left teaching, when I, once I knew I was going to leave, I asked my, my kiddos, I said, how can I like, you know, appropriately like keep, keep in touch with y'all? Like, how can I appropriately let y'all know what I'm doing? And y'all can, and they're like, Mr. Froberg, you got to make a TikTok. And I was like, yeah, I'm not making it. Like, I'm not, I'm not making it. I'm not doing that. Flash two, you know, I didn't make the TikTok right away. I made the TikTok like right at the, like, I don't know, October of last year, maybe. But cut two, you know, almost 60,000 followers. Like, and, and it's exactly what you said. Like, I get these heartwarming messages where people are like, oh my gosh, like, I just went and bought 12 pots and I'm going to be planting peppers this year and we're going to make salsa. And I'm like, what? I was just dancing by a pepper plant. 
that's incredible. <laughs> that is, that's like, I don't even know what to say to that. You know, I don't even know what to say to that. I found out uh, the day before yesterday that there's like, there's several seed companies that are all sold out of French breakfast radishes. And I'm not saying it's because I made a video that went viral about French breakfast radishes, but I'm not saying it's not because of <laughs> I think you should take at least a little credit for that for it's sure. Like something that people wouldn't normally grow and all because I made a 12 second video. How incredible is that? That we as farmers live in a day and age where we can not just farmers, but agriculturalists alike live in a day and age where we can take that love and passion that we have. And we're all goofy as all get out and take all sure. of that and use it constructively uh, to build food awareness and, you know, agricultural appreciation and all these other great things. It's incredible, man. It is incredible. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Um, man. So we're, let's see, we're at 41 minutes. It doesn't really matter, but I don't want to, I don't want to take your entire day. Um, are there, are there other things about like the farm and the program that we haven't covered yet that you'd like to make sure people hear? You know, that's, that's a good question. Let me highlight a few things. Um, So one of the things that I think is cool that that we decided to do early on, um, and this is kind of a recruiting message, if you will, if there are any veterans or or anyone in our area interested in becoming a small farmer. One thing that I allow our veterans to do, you know, on the grants time is to to take on a project for the 90 days. So we had a trainee. We had a group of trainees who built a small hydroponic system. We had a group of Cheneys who implemented pasture poultry here on the farm. You know, we've had groups of trainees that take on these special projects. And I would say that's a unique part of our training program that we've built in, you know, where we will allow you to hone the skill that you want to hone, you know, in, in whatever way that we can. It's a little bit yeah. different than the other training programs out there. Um, and then, man, other than that, if you're in the greater Houston area from, you know, College Station to Galveston and from Huntsville all the way down to Brazoria, come by and see us. 10401 Scott. I'm pretty much here seven days a week. If the gate's open, drive your truck on in. Right. And like anybody who shows up at the farm, like we'll we'll give you a tour. We'll walk you around. You know, chances are you'll eat along the way. So, like, seriously, if you're if you're in our area, come see us. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And I think, you know, we have, we have a lot of listeners all over Texas and I'm, I'm hoping some people take you up on that. And, uh, I actually, my sister-in-law lives, um, North of Houston and the Cleveland area. So next time we're down visiting her, I may take you up on that myself. Come on down, man. And also, so I know when I did the PSS program at Texas tech, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to get a whole three credit hours through an internship. We're all about that here. If you're, you know, if you're a distant student and you need that, that professional internship, three credit hours, come by, come by. Yeah. We'll, we'll give you as many hours as you want a week to get those internship hours. Um, you know, I'll even give you a, I'll even give you a hundred feet of row space. If you want to grow something in it, just come by and get those internship hours for college. You know, we're all about awesome. it. We're, we're here to build farmers, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, man, I love it. That's such a great, such a great mission. Um, so, so <laughs> something I like to to throw at my guests, and I never warn them because it's more fun for me uh, at the end of episodes. And it's getting harder to do because because uh, uh, we've I've had a few now that are like I knew you were going to do this to me, but I think I may catch you on this. Yeah. Um, I I always ask all my all my guests um, to kind of wrap up the episode. If you had one piece of advice that you'd like the listeners to take away with them. And that can be about uh, farming, about life in general, whatever, whatever you want. What would that one piece of advice be? Well, you know, I've never claimed to be good at life, but sometimes I feel like I could be good at farming. So I'm going to stick with the farming thing. Okay. Um, and this is for any of those college students or any of those young 4-H FFA kids or you know, inner city wanting to grow, whatever, anyone who has a desire to enter in, in any field of agriculture, um, you have to start somewhere. And so here's what I recommend you do. So we get this question a lot of like, how do I start if I have no experience and, you know, I can't do a training program or what have you go find an operation near you. And I guarantee you, there is one go find an operation near you and go to them. Go to that farmer, whoever's running the operation and say, hello, sir. Hello, ma'am. I will come and work for you for free for four weeks. If you Mm -hmm. will allow me to just shadow you and I will do anything you ask, anything at all, whether it's the lowest job on the farm or what have you, I will do it with zero hesitation, zero questions asked. I'll do it and give that, give that producer four weeks, right? And several things will happen. The first and foremost is you're going to get that experience because if you're riding around for free and you're working your tail off, that producer, chances are, is going to be willing to show you some stuff that takes 50 years of farming to learn. Sure. And another thing might happen, right? I'm not saying it will. I'm saying another thing might happen. And that is that at the end of those four weeks, if you prove that you're worth your salt, they might give you a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They, they just might. Yeah. And if you don't, that's okay because you've got that four weeks of experience that you can go and take. And then you can say, okay, I have some of this knowledge now. I have some of this experience now. I earned it. Let's see what I can do with it. You know, let's see what I can do with it. That's awesome. That's great advice. That's great advice. Um, so just to, just to wrap up, where can we find you? Uh, social media, websites, whatever else you want to plug. I'll put them in yeah. the show notes. But go ahead and throw them at us. So I'm pretty much on everything at Farmer Froberg. Um, that's Farmer, F-R-O-B-E-R-G, especially TikTok. That's my biggest platform. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, of course, the farm, hopefarmshtx.org, right? Check us out. You can find... Uh, you can find out about our mission. You can find out about where we'll be selling produce. Um, you can find out about our farm share, our CSA, uh, any of our educational programs. But um, yeah, check us out. Awesome. Well, Tyler, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time. This was uh, uh, super inspiring, and I, I just really enjoyed talking with you. Man, it was great. Thank you. Cool. Well, uh, to, to those of you out there listening, thanks for doing it. And uh, thanks for being with us again. And we'll see you uh, in a couple of weeks. 
Y'all, thanks for listening to today's episode. Uh, Tyler, again, is such just an inspiring guy um, with really some wise words about what it takes to make it in agriculture and in horticulture. But uh, I think he does such a good job of laying out the realities of it with really talking about the positives and all the power in it and all the um, potential in agriculture. Again, think happy thoughts for all the folks in Texas that are struggling right now and across the southern U.S. that are struggling right now because of all the cold. And um, y'all, thanks for listening. Uh, This has been a fun episode. We'll actually be back uh, next week with the next installment of our Plants in World Tradition series. I think it's going to be a fun one. Uh, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to ruin the surprise from week to week. So you'll get to hear what that is next week. But y'all have been enjoying that. It seems like I've been enjoying making them and I appreciate y'all following along. Take care, stay warm, and we will talk to you soon.